It's Mario, it's Murray, and it's time for more Mississippi State football talk here in the Doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Doghouse, where we talk Bulldog football, and thanks to our sponsor, Bet Online, where the game starts, as well as to our newest supporter, ButcherBox. I'm your host, David Murray, and he's the All-American Bulldog and nine-season NFL linebacker, Mario Hagan. All right, Mario. A week ago at this time, we were talking about State's great big opportunities to go get SEC season started in style. They just took care of business. Instead, here we are, 2-1 and one after a loss at LSU, which did not need to be a loss, and trying to refocus fast for a Bowling Green team that's uh, not going to be quite a pushover as they come in as once expected. Oh, David. Yeah. I know. I know. I feel you. <laughs> Yeah, same old bulldog, different year. How how do we overcome the the LSU curse? I mean, you're up thirteen nothing. You and I talked about it. You have a chance to go up three scores. You have an air raid offense that's supposed to be one of the best in the country. Now I get it. There are some drop balls. There's some other issues that lie. But come on, David. Come on, Mike Leach. <sighs> Arnett, don't let us down again. How do we get over it? I, I, I'm still sick about it five, six days later. I, I don't know if I've gotten my appetite yet. I think I've lost 12 pounds, David. Well, I gained, I gained that much on the Friday night before the game because I went by Louisiana Line up, and uh, I'm paying the price for that this following week. But, uh, yeah, I hadn't had much of an appetite myself since then. And, yes, you and I have seen it, you from the playing field, me from the sidelines in the press box. Something just happens way too often when Bulldogs play Tigers, especially down there. That said, last year's game, if State doesn't fumble the ball away, they win the game. This year – They're in position to take charge before halftime. LSU is not good. Let's get that out on the record. They're not a terrible team, but they're not a good team. And and now parenthetically, let's add, once you get past Georgia and then maybe Alabama, I'm not sure who's really good in the SEC after that, but everybody's competitive, which makes the loss hurt that much more because that's what's going to separate those teams three through 10 is stealing a road win somewhere. And this was a gift-wrapped opportunity in so many ways. When you're battling, already battling at the bottom of the barrel or just the, 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 uh, the foam on the top of the drink, I mean, you, you can't slip up like this. You got There aren't any great teams in the, in the SEC, uh, maybe across the country, except for Georgia and Alabama. And we have to see both of those teams. They're on the Bulldog schedule. And a loss like LSU's definitely doesn't help to a what I would think a very under par as far as the talent. Uh, Kelly, Brian Kelly hadn't quite gotten his footing under him to be able to coach this team the way he needs to. Mike Leach, the upstart guy, the veteran coach, who should have really just come in and had his way with Brian Kelly. Again, you look at the things that happened, uh, Drop ball. I don't know if it's play calling or whatever it is, uh, but it's, it's it's definitely one of those things that they have to clean up before they get into the heart of this SEC schedule. Bowling Green won't be a pushover, but you definitely have to find a way to win some SEC football games. 
And the twist is that for one possession, State just went up and down the field and did what it wanted to offensively. And then in the second quarter, after fumbling around a while, kicking a field goal, they're able to go down and get another almost ridiculously easy-looking touchdown. I think they fell in love with fourth down. You know, everybody just stared at the state sideline when on that very first position, fourth and one on your own 21-yard line, Mike Leach went for it, and it worked. But three more times they went for it, once inside your own territory and twice either side of the 50-yard line, and it failed. I think they kind of fell in love with their own aggression and just didn't do the percentage plays. Uh, It's just there was such a disconnect. The times they looked good, they looked really good out there. And the times they looked bad, you weren't sure they'd been even playing a game so far this season. It's just such a dichotomy out there that you can't make heads or tails of it. David, you talked about fourth down, one, one of four, Mississippi State, LSU, one of two, third down, three of 14, Mississippi State. Absolutely. That's the key stat right there. The three of 14, you just cannot have, you talking about maybe 18% on third down, the money down, the down, the big one, the one that keeps the chains moving, they give you the opportunity to take the ball in and score. You just can't have it. Whether it's drop ball, bad play calling, or just a, a, a great play by LSU, you somehow as an SEC football team, if you want to win games, you want to win the so-called big game, you cannot have mental bust or breakdowns on third down. And three or 14, oh, my God, what, what, what are we doing? It's almost like a high school football, maybe a little league football team can complete uh, more third down plays and, and, and convert more third down plays than three out of 14, David. That, that's just – that's just unacceptable in SEC football play. Especially if you want to be a good team, you've got to make those money downs. And speaking of money downs, our sponsor, Bet Online, is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the National Football League, the NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAV50, that's capital all caps, BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, that game started well for State. It certainly didn't finish well. LSU, which uh, trailed for th- three quarters, and then bitter irony, the good hands guys back there. Now, okay, I'm going to ask you this, Mario. I think I know the answer because you and I have been around this a long time at Mississippi State, and you've been on all sides of uh, high school, college, and pro football. Used to, coaches had this rule that you stand on the 10 or 12-yard line, and if the ball is past your head, you let it go. I've noticed that college coaches these days want their guys to catch balls inside the 10. I don't get it. I think, I think you're, you have everything to lose and almost nothing to gain by fielding a ball inside the 10. What is behind this? And again, not just Mississippi State. Most everyone is doing it. You're right. The, the rule is stand on the 10 if it's over your head because the ball is carrying so much momentum. You think – that these college coaches would want to start the ball at the 20, 25 yard line, letting the ball, letting the ball go into the end zone. But nowadays I think more colleges are more college coaches 
are arrogant, so to speak. They think they can score from anywhere. Now, on one end, that's a great mindset. On the other end, you got to play team football. So let me walk you through this, David. You, you, you catch the ball. Say you get it inside the 10-yard line. You now have about 92 yards to go before you can score. Say you only get 10 yards or maybe nine yards. You punt the football. Now we're, we're punting from maybe the 20-yard line. Now you get a say you get a 30-yard punt. Now we're at the 50-yard line. So now you put your defense in terrible field position. They have to be almost perfect to keep the other team from scoring. But if you're a smart coach, you take it from the 25, say maybe you get 10 yards and you, you maybe nine yards. No, you don't get a first down. You're now punting from the 34-yard line maybe. You get a 30-yard punt. Now you're sitting on the on the opposite side. Now you're there backed up on their own 40-yard, maybe 35-yard line. Now they have 60, 70 yards to go. I like my chances with a great defense of a team marching down 60, 70 yards versus 50, 40 to 50 yards. So that's where, that's where I think the coaches miss it at. They don't play enough team football. They, they count on their offensive game plan and strategies too much, and much too often they fail at it. Spoken like a true defensive dog there. <laughs> no, but I think you're right in that regard. And uh, by the way, LSU was guilty too. They punted other situations, and State had a great return game from Xavier Thomas, the, one of the true freshmen that are playing this season, and he would have been the guy fielding it, except, again, irony, Austin Williams is your safe guy, so he's the one fielding the short punt. So one of those cases where doing the right thing backfired on you, but LSU also messed up by – giving State a kickoff, a returnable kickoff, and if not for a holding call on another freshman, all of a sudden State has a chance down eight points on LSU's 12-yard line. So neither team covered itself in glory on special teams the other day. Although, I want to point this out. There have been four missed point afters in the whole SEC this year. One of them blocked. That was LSU. The other 12 teams haven't missed one. Mississippi State has missed three point afters already this season from two kickers. What does it do to a team's mentality when you give away a point like that? I mean, yes, one point, but that one point means the defense has got to all of a sudden crank up its game and not give up a touchdown. Again, you put pressure on your defense. You take, what, 14 points uh, away from LSU? You got you got a two point game with Mrs. Uh, you got a two point game now, All right? Uh, you got a two point game, okay? Those three those three missed field, uh, missed extra points. You now have a victory by Mississippi State. So absolutely, absolutely. That's the pressure you have when you when you do that, you take you take that away. Matter of fact, it would one it would be a one point game actually. And so now you talk about just one extra point made you go you go into overtime give yourself and a chance to win the football game you make two of them and now you won at the end of regulation so they're very important again the game is played in all three phases offense defense special team they have to complement the great team complement each other in every phase the bad team they put the weight on one phase and right now Mississippi State is looking like a bad team they're putting one uh, putting the weight on the shoulders of the offense, at least they did on Saturday night. And the special team, and, and some games have been defense, but special teams so far when needing points have been pretty horrible and unreliable. I agree with that. And I, we, I don't want to talk so much anymore about the LSU game in particular. I want to kind of get a general big picture view after three games so far this season. Two relatively easy wins, now a painful reality check down at LSU. 
uh, let's just let's look at the defense first, since that's your specialty there. What do you think they're doing well, and what are they not doing well? And I, I can bring up one thing for sure. They're not tackling great, especially in the passing game. You look at the way the game has changed. Uh, they, they practice tackling different. You can't practice somehow. Uh, they have regulations on how much you can practice and the way you can practice, whether it's full pass or short. I think that had a lot to do with it. With it, but again, Mississippi State tackling is one thing. Not knowing how to fit up the run and stop the run is another. You let your quarterback uh, Jaden Daniels from LSU, he rushed for ninety three yards on his own, and you you talk about deflating. You guy drop back whether it's a, a, a broken down play or whether it's the design play. You let the quarterback go for ninety three yards, then you come back and then your running back goes for another seventy five. Amari Amari Goodwin. So you can't stop the run. When you can't stop the run, that sets your defense. That keeps them uh, on their heel. That means LSU or any other team that comes in there can play action, can do just about anything they want to because you have not stopped the one thing that every team has to stop in order to be great, and that's the run. And so if you look at that, we could talk. We could tackle all day. We could tackle. We could talk about tackling all day. Finding the right defense, fitting it up, and making sure everyone knows their assignment to be able to stop the run first and foremost is the biggest problem, especially on Saturday night. We have a feature today uh, interview with uh, Coach uh, Matt Brock, the linebackers coach. Uh, talked to him yesterday, and he mentioned some of the things you're saying about the tackling, but also the fits. He said that if you're going to uh, have four guys rushing a six-gap type of offense, you've got to do things right. And what happened was too often State's interior three and the two inside linebackers got themselves pinched in tight between the hashes or even closer. All the quarterback had to do was take a couple steps outside and there's no containment left because they're chasing receivers downfield. So he certainly addressed that um, is one thing that they're concerned about. Uh, State gave away a couple of passing plays they shouldn't because, again, let's not take away from LSU's talent but it's young or it's not really settled down or they're not sure what they're doing. And some of it just per, almost seat of the pants sort of thing. And yet it was that ramble scramble at the end of the first half, which changed the game because state, if they take a 13, nothing lead into halftime, you feel pretty good, but they get inside of two minutes. They gave up a fast run because the quarterback escaped. So yes, I, what you're pointing out about the defense is true. And those are things that um, you can correct them technically in some aspects, but a lot of it has just got to be mental awareness of not only what's happening, but exactly what your job is and where is your help coming from. And a lot of that falls on uh, Coach Jack Arnett. I mean, let, let's be real. You, you talk about guys not getting off blocks. Uh, you saw a couple of guys not using a hand. There. Two guys sitting uh, fitting in one hole, making it easy for the quarterback to roll out. That's got to go on your defensive coordinator. That, that is his job to make sure he has the right guys in there that understand what to do and, and understand how to do it over and over again. And then you got to look at the calls, all right? There's certain things. There are things that are called pass defense, call, defensive calls, and there are run defensive calls. A lot of time it looked like he was uh, getting caught up in uh, defending the pass and just wasn't aware and ready to defend the run the way he was supposed to the other night. And so uh, it, it, players, we could talk about players, they play the game and, and, and coaches get limited in the responsibility that they take. But, David, I, I look at it, I think about it, and all sign points are net just got to be a little bit better, can't live off the glory that he had last, coming into the season. He got a, a few new players, a few new spots, 
And they somehow got to shore this thing up before they get into the thick of SEC play. And we talk about SEC play, but Bowling Green this weekend would not be an easy task. Uh, uh, exactly. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, it's flipping it over to the offensive side. They weren't great, but they were good enough, if not for the drop balls. Uh, it was that close. Now, I will say this. Will Rogers was not sharp. Even some of his best plays, the ball was not really thrown that great on target. But in three incredible cases, there were just fabulous catches. Uh, Rara Thomas made one. I was certain when the ball left Rogers' hand, that ball was sailing into a sideline. Thomas somehow gets up, gets the ball, gets the foot down, chains move, does the same thing with Caleb Duncan. And Thomas's touchdown catch, that's as good as anything Eric Moles ever made, anything Justin Jenkins ever did at State. So when they made plays, they were great plays. It was the routine stuff. Like I mentioned, Rufus Harvey, two drops on crossing patterns that moved the chains. Other guys, you know, one reason State's getting so many yards after the catch is this game, they went back to throwing the ball a little further behind the line of scrimmage, whereas in the first two games, running backs or slot guys were catching the ball past the line of scrimmage with a head of momentum. I, I think they just simply got taken out of their offense. I think they thought a little bit too much, overthought some situations. They were aggressive at the wrong times and passive at the wrong times. And I love Will Rogers, but so much of the play calling we refer to, he has total liberty to change everything there. And I think once or twice he may have defaulted to the run game too easily. Again, I don't know the play calls. I don't see the film, but that's what it looked like from the press box. David, I'll tell you what. This offense has to find an identity of who is the go-to guy. Is it Rob Rod Thomas? Will it be Caleb Duncan? Is it Tudor Griffin? Is it Rufus Harvey? Who is it? Right now, I don't think they have a guy that in the fourth quarter, we need that touchdown and we need a big play that Mike Lee says, I am going to him. It may look like it, but when you when you look, for, uh, Rob Rod Thomas may have had six targets. You talk about a guy – Caleb Duncan, who's had the first two games, that great game, four catches. Uh, Tulu may get three balls, three or four balls thrown his way. He catches them. Uh, you got guy, Wally, he's kind of disappeared in the, in, in, in the, in the deal there. Uh, Austin Williams, you don't see him have any, have any uh, putting up any stats against LSU. Who is the guy? What's the identity? Is it truly going to be the air raid? Will it be a balanced offensive attack, rushing, throwing the ball? We have to find a guy. Who is the guy? That's it. That's that's a simple answer, in my opinion. You got to find the guy who is the guy. And you ask any football player that wants to be the man that understands winning, somebody has to be the guy. I think maybe that they also have fallen in love a little too much with having 10 receivers, and they have a legitimate 10 receivers that can play this game at a good level. Somebody has to be the guy. Somebody has to be the guy. And I agree with you. I I agree with you. And, you know, you mentioned who's the go-to. I think the go-to's are almost situational. For instance, in goal line, it's going to be either Austin Williams or Rufus Harvey because they're the guys who come out of the slots or get open short real quick, throw the ball to a spot, things like that. Open field, ducking, Thomas, we mentioned. I'm still waiting for Jaden Wally to have that game that he's capable of. And then you have the transfer from Georgia, Justin Robinson, who's barely seen the field. Uh, Another transfer from Northwestern, Jordan Mosley, who hasn't seen the field at all hardly, but still he's He's getting some snaps, but he's not making the plays out there is what I'm saying. I tend to think, yes, that Coach Spurrier and Coach Hollingshead, they love having so many guys available, but at some point you just say, 
this guy's 5% better than you. We got to give him twice as many snaps. Or am I thinking up the wrong tree? No. You go back and you can ask Derek Tate when he was in trouble. I can guarantee you he was going to Eric Mose. You can ask Wayne Mackin who he was going to. He was going to Justin Jenkins. You can go and ask Dak Prescott. He was going to Bear. So every guy, somebody has to step up and be the guy. Look, it looked great. We got eight guys catching the ball. We got 16 completions. Everybody got two. Note that, man, these guys don't have a rhythm. They're not feeling that they're the man. So sometimes you may have a guy not expecting the football. That's where the drops come in or the miscommunication on the route. Because you may go get two catches early in the fourth quarter, in the first quarter, and then you might not get a ball thrown your way to the second quarter or maybe even the third quarter. That's truly hard for a guy to concentrate. Hey, the college guys, I know you. You have a certain responsibility when you step on the field. That's tough. When you want to be the man and one game you are the man, you have big expectations. They're raised. It's the air raid. Mike Leach can get it to me. I came here to be the guy. I want to be the star. And all of a sudden, you only you get a target, two targets in the first, and you, you don't get your next target until the fourth quarter. Damn it. I just don't know if that's the way to do it. They have to establish who the go-to guy or maybe the second go-to guy is. All right. You, you as a defender, I want you to tell me, what does an offense having a go-to guy mean to a defense when they go to that guy, and even though the defense knows he's the guy, he still makes plays? What does that do to a defense's mentality? All that tells us is that, hey, he's going to make his play. All right? We know that when you look from a defensive standpoint, we identify the guy. We have plays, our defensive coordinators come up with it. Even if you watch them as players, you know, hey, look, look this guy's going to get his 10 catches. But let's not let these other guys beat us, right? This guy that's okay. When I was playing in the LSU, I mean, they had Josh Reed was at, at one time with the go-to <laughs> guy. All right? Michael Clayton was the go-to guy, right? They had big-time guys, right? They had, they had them all over the field. So we understood that Josh Reed would catch it out of the slot. We knew when he lined up in a certain play. All right, this is your responsibility, Corey Banks. All right, you go, you go and do that. But we had a game plan. We understood that we could let him catch eight catches, but we can't let that other guy beat us, right? And so we knew they were going to. We couldn't stop it. We just had to prepare for it. And that, and I don't see that in this Mississippi State offense. I see the ball being spread around, which looks good when you win against lesser team. But when you're in the crunch, when uh, LSU team is reeling back. 21 nothing, they score a touchdown and they get another, and you need the big play. You have to have a Caleb Duncan, a Rob Rob Thomas. Somebody had to step up and be that guy on a drive to get this team going. And I just did not see that on Saturday night. And by the same token, you've got to have an offensive line that gives your guys time to do it. And I think they just got a little rattled because we knew LSU was just going to turn those big boys loose to come after you. And in a way, it's uh, surprising that Will Rogers did not take any more sacks than he did at the same time he was pressured. He did throw a couple of hot passes that weren't exactly on target, but were still catchable balls. But anyway, you mentioned bouncing back. Well, and you mentioned smaller programs. Yes, here's one coming in. But I'll tell you, Bowling Green, uh, you remember some of the guys who have coached there, guys like Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen and others. Uh, what was it when Bowling Green came here in 2013? The current coach at Wake Forest was the head coach there. So that's a program that turns out good coaches. It's a good stepping stone program, but they've beaten big names on their own. 
They played at Tennessee last year. They've played at Minnesota and won. They can beat good conference teams, and they know it. And after knocking off Marshall, who had a pretty good win of their own the previous week, the Bowling Green Falcons are not coming to Scott Field just to accept a check. No, I, I wouldn't if I'm Bowling Green. You got a Mississippi State team that's on the hill, just come off, again, a loss to a LSU team that if you watch them – may not be much better if they are better than a Bowling Green team. So uh, if I look at them and I see th- anything similar, anything that gives me hope, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good if I'm a Bowling Green's football team. And Mississippi State, again, has to figure it out. They have to figure it out fast. We, we, it was excitement in the air against Memphis. There was excitement in the air against Arizona. But, David, I warned you, I didn't think they were just stud a football team. And yeah. – um, and it proved to be. Didn't think LSU was a stud of a football team this year, and Mississippi State walked out of there with a nail. So I'd be very careful if I'm players this week of taking Bowling Green lightly. I'm gonna. I, I would prepare. I'd be ready to bounce back. And if they are a football team that is looking to contend, I think they they come out and they get started early against Bowling Green and they score often. That's the only way they'll get it done. You give them any any ounce of hope, it might be a long day. Well, it doesn't need to be a long day, and the Bulldogs definitely do not need to be looking forward to Texas A&M the following week. That game will be a 3 o'clock contest on Scott Field. The state returns to Southeastern Conference action. Aggies aren't looking so great. Uh, one of the uh, kind of overrated. Um, sometimes I think they rank teams on recruiting rankings more than what their team's doing, but you know the Aggies have talent. They'll come in, but they look like a team state should be able to handle. And once upon a time, like maybe a week ago this time, you could think about looking forward to that. Now you can't. And as Mario says, you got to take care of business Bowling Green and do it efficiently, quickly, and then start thinking about SEC football. So, all right, Mario, besides uh, Mississippi State's game this weekend, from the SEC, what games are you looking forward to? I know that if I can get home in time, I definitely want to catch the Aggies in Arkansas because that's State's next two SEC opponents. That, that would be that would be a good one. You know, when you look at uh, by the way, I'm regardless of what Arkansas they rank and some of the a couple of issues that they may have, I am thoroughly impressed with the job that Sam Schmidt has done uh, over there at Arkansas coming in behind Chad Morris. I mean, you th- you looked at a program that might have been on his way back into the dump and he come in several years ago and they are getting national recruits. They are playing disciplined football. They went up, they, they sometime in the last couple of years lost some games they shouldn't have. But uh, watching them against uh, AM this weekend, I, I think I might have to roll with the, the Razorbacks on this one. I think they may have the better team and may, may actually have the better coach. And they may have as much of a crowd there in Dallas, out in your neck of the woods. You could probably just uh, pop across town and watch it there and give us a scouting report in person. But, yeah, I have to put up my picks this afternoon to our Jeans Page selections, and I think I'm going to go with the Razorbacks. Um, I don't know if they'll cover the spread or not, but I just think that a and vulnerable. I didn't think they were great against Miami from what I was able to see and certainly listen to leaving Tiger Stadium. But, again, none of that matters right now if you don't take care of Bulldog business against Bowling Green this weekend. Kickoff, 11 o'clock Central from Scott Field for the SEC Network. So be there. If you can't be there in person, watch it, tune in, follow it, and uh, keep an eye on jeanspage.com because Steve Robertson and I will be having a post-game wrap-up as well as our full staff coverage. 
So this has been Mario and Murray in the doghouse on the Believe Network, brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. And if you like what you're hearing, hey, give us a rating on Apple Podcast. Mario, next week, hopefully we're talking in a much better mood about a much better success for the Bulldogs and getting ready for SEC season to resume. Ah, uh, man, I sure hope so. I might have to cut the neck off Mike Leach if it doesn't happen. <laughs> I saw you cut the head off a few running backs, so I think he needs to take that uh, warning seriously. All right, <laughs> so, <baby. laughs> Thank you, brother. I'll be talking to you next week. All right.